It is an honor and a delight to be here, and I'm excited about this morning, and I'm excited about all of you being here. It's very kind of the pastor to invite me to come. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how that happened, actually. Uh, normally, people don't trust me to, to come and, and preach all weekend until they've heard me preach a couple times. As far as I know, he's never heard me preach, and he invited me to come, and I, I, it, it caused me to question his good sense, but I'm very thankful for his willingness to allow me to, to be here with you. And uh, the incredibly kind and warm reception that you all have given, given me has just, it's just been a blessing, and I, I so much appreciate it. We've got from now, remind me again, what time are we? We finish up at, at what? 10.15, whoopee, 10.15, all right, I'm going to write that down, that might not be a bad idea to write that down, okay, anyway, I've got until 10.15, this is lovely, you guys are giving me more time than I'm accustomed to having, it, 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 it's really nice, I'm excited about this hour, um, well, I'm kind of get excited about all of them, but one thing I really like about this time is that I've got all the young people here, and it appears that many of them are front and center, and I love that. I love that. In so many churches, you go to the children, the children, the young people are all hiding in the back row. And uh, I love it that I'm looking around here and many of the young people are hiding in the front row. That, that's super. And now, adults, don't be offended, but I'm more excited about the young people being here than I am about the adults. Uh, and and, and it, people say, well, why is that? Because, see, theoretically, I'm supposed to be an adult right now. And you would suppose that I would prefer to speak to adults because everybody knows adults are more important. Uh, and I'm always kind of on the opposite. I would rather speak to young people. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of excited about next hour when you're starting your service, I get to go talk to Super Church. Uh, and I love that because I love to talk to children. I love to speak to young people. People say, why is that? Young people sometimes listen, you know? I mean, I, I, I like that. That's really great. Uh, and, and, and that's good. And so I'm going to start out this morning, this hour, honestly, primarily speaking to the young people. All the, the older folks are welcome to listen in. And by the way, and, and maybe what I'm going to say applies to some of the older folks too, but I'm really wanting to speak to the young people particularly. We have a desperate need going on in the world today, okay? So the world is really, really lost. Now, it always has been, okay? Uh, it's, it, it's in deplorable condition right now, and I don't have time to go into it today, but there is really good reason to believe this isn't just, I feel like maybe this will happen. I can give you strong, objective reasons to believe that the time the Lord's appearing is coming near. We don't have a huge amount of time. The Lord's coming back. Uh, the young people I'm speaking to, I, I don't know, but I'm convinced that you will see the Lord's return. Uh, I may see the Lord's return, okay? I, I believe that, that the day of the Lord's return is, is coming really fast, and, and that's not just a feeling I have. I can show it to you in the scriptures, Okay, things are happening that, that we've been waiting thousands of years for them that are happening right now. And the world is on a headlong, it's going off a cliff right now. And right now, more than any time in history, the church has got to step up. 
We're in a desperate time, and it's crawl in a hole and die, or it's go out and go full on serving the Lord. Uh, I have many dear friends in Ukraine, and most of you, I think, are probably aware that there's a vicious war, vicious battles being fought there every day right now. Uh, that war is going on ferociously right now. When that war started, my friends, pastors of churches across that country, they had a choice to make. What are we going to do? The enemy is invading. Bombs are falling all around us. What should we do? And there's two ways you react to that. One is you dig a deep hole and you crawl in the hole, pull in the top over you, and hide. And that is not what the Ukrainian churches have done. What the Ukrainian churches have done is said, it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to get out there, to work as we've never worked, to serve as we've never served, to get out there preaching the gospel and serving our community like we never have before. And God is working powerfully through those churches right now. They're doing marvelous work. I am so proud of those folks. The, 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 the Bible preaching churches in Ukraine have stepped up, going at great hazard to themselves into the thick of the battle and, and serving the Lord, doing, doing great work. And I say that to say this, folks, for the church all over the world, we're at crunch time. And we're either going to reach the world and get the gospel out to them, or we're going to die with a whimper. Okay? And I don't want to see that. Right now, uh, I think you guys know Dr. Dunsisk. I heard him preach a couple of years ago, and he said that, 20 years ago. Now, if you're a young person, 20 years ago is something you read about in a history book. If you're an old person like me, 20 years ago, like, that's, you know, I remember that like you remember your last birthday, okay? That's, that's recent history for me, okay? 20 years ago, we did not have remotely enough missionaries. Can I get another amen, brother? 20 years ago, we didn't begin to have the number of missionaries that we needed going out to serve the Lord. We were in crisis 20 years ago. But what Dr. Sisk said is if you compare the number of young people graduating from Bible college wanting to serve as missionaries 20 years ago to the number of young people today, 90% of those missionary candidates have disappeared in the last 20 years. So 20 years ago, we didn't have near enough, not remotely enough. And today, 90% of the young people that were surrendering to missions have disappeared. And now we're trying to reach the world with 10% of not nearly enough. It is flatly impossible. Okay? And you stop and you think about it and you say, well, how can that even be? How, 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 do, I wrap, how do I understand? What does it mean that 90% of the missionary candidates are going away? And I think that there's really only two conclusions we can come to. Number one, we could say perhaps God changed his mind. Maybe God just said, okay, I guess whatever. Let the world die and go to hell. We'll just forget about missions. Maybe that's, you think that's what happened? I don't really think so. What's the other alternative? we've closed our ears to the call of God. That we've closed our hearts to the call of God. That we are so busy building our nice little life and having our nice, comfortable, luxurious little lives that we just, we're about doing our thing and that we are just sitting here with our hands over ears saying, 
I don't know. I didn't hear God say, did you hear God say? I didn't hear God say anything. And we're ignoring the call of God. I am convinced with all my heart that God is calling as much as he ever has. I would suppose more than he ever has. But the American church has turned away and closed its heart to the world and is saying, you know what, we're going to build a nice little church and I'm going to build a nice little life and I'm going to have a nice comfy little life here in America and I'm going to close my eyes and heart to what's going on in the world. That's what's going on. I'll tell you what, the only solution is the people sitting in this room. The only way that's going to change is if people like you... Now, it's not just young people, okay? Because you know, God called my wife and I when we were... We, I, we got to the mission field when we were 36 and 41 years old, okay? So, you know, if you're an adult, you can't just sit back and say, he's only whipping on the kids. This isn't for us. No, God can call... I had some friends, Jim and Mary Peterson, who retired at 65 and went to the mission field, okay? So God can call can call adults and, and even, even older folks to the mission field. Okay, so that's a thing too. But young people, we need help. And I beg of you, consider God's call to missions. Consider that God is calling people. I'm not going to take the time, but in our ministry, International Board of Jewish Missions, we need missionaries in, in cities, I could list cities all over the world, where either we've got one family and we could use another one or two, or we have nobody, okay? London, England, huge Jewish population. We've got nobody there. Paris, we've got some, one person there for one of the, the major cities in, in the world, okay? In, uh, and I can go all around the world and point to you cities where we, we need to have somebody there preaching the gospel to the Jews, and we've got no one. My little corner of IBJM, what they've asked me to do uh, I mentioned yesterday that, that my primary thing that I do is what I'm doing here this weekend is trying to convince churches to reach the Jewish people in their communities, okay? Actually, I lead a, a small team of men that, that does this, that we crisscross the country talking to people, and, and IBJM has, said, has put me in charge of the initiative to try to get the gospel to the 8 million Jewish people that live here in the U.S. And so I lead this small team of men that are traveling back and forth to cities all across the United States, preaching the gospel and, and, and teaching people how to reach the Jewish people in their communities. That's what we do. We have 10 cities in the United States with over 100,000 Jewish people. 10 cities, okay, with over 100,000. I need two men, two families in each of those 10 cities. I won't explain why two, but there's a reason. I need two families, minimum, I need two families in each of those cities, okay? If you have 10 cities and I need two families, that means 20 families. I have five of them right now. I'm asking God to give me 15 families that will step up and say, I'll go. I'll go and I will work to get the gospel to the Jewish people in that city. I need 15 families right now to do the corner of the work I'm doing. You say, well, would that accomplish the work? Not remotely it would be a really good start. It would be a great start. It would be a place to start. And I'm praying, I'm saying, dear God, give me 15 families. Give me 15 men who will step up and say, I'll do that. Now that's just one little corner of the work. Every missionary that comes through here is gonna have the same plea. 
folks. The, every, every time somebody says, hey, Brother Sam, is it, how can we pray for you? It's, it's not that I do this because it's my standard thing. It's because it's the thing that's on my heart. My answer is always the same. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. That is my prayer. And young people, God can use you. Let me, let me add on to what I'm saying for just a moment. A lot of you are sitting there saying, you know, I could never do that. I, I could never do what Brother Brian and Sherry. I mean, they're amazing people. Look what they've, I could never be, I couldn't be somebody like Brother Sam and go to Russia and go to Israel. I couldn't. The truth of the matter is, you're right. You can't. But you have no idea what you and God together can do. You have no concept of what God, you put yourself in God's hands, you have no idea. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm just a dumb kid from a little town in Ohio. Well, guess what? I was a dumb kid from a little town in Ohio. That, that's, that's me. I'm just a, I was a dumb kid growing up in the suburbs of Columbus from a lost family. Okay? And God called me. My wife, my wife grew up in the home. Her mother finished third grade. was the highest education she got. And her dad was a drunkard. And she grew up on the wrong side of the tracks in a terrible situation in a little town in, in Texas. And God can take Dumb, a, a dumb punk from Ohio and a little girl from the wrong side of the tracks in Texas and he can say you put yourself in my hands and I will do more with you than you can imagine I can use you in ways you cannot fathom if you'll put yourself in my hands young people I challenge you consider missions consider the mission field we listen to the voice of God as he speaks to you about this. Every time a missionary, look, when, before the Lord called me to be a missionary, every time a missionary came to our church, do you remember what the, the, the guys on the road to Emmaus said when they were talking to Jesus and they didn't know it was Jesus and then afterwards they realized it was Jesus and they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke? So Rhonda and I would sit in church and missionaries would get up and speak about their fields and our hearts would burn within us. Then our hearts, there was this like, that would be so amazing. What a wonderful, boy, that would be so cool to be able to do that. If you're hearing that voice in your heart, it may be that God is calling you to be a missionary. Please listen to God. Um, if there's anybody here, I'm not saying that you're like, yes, I'm ready to commit today. But if there's somebody here that's saying, you know what? What you're saying kind of resonates with me. I'd like to know more about that. I'd like to talk more about that. I really want to talk to you at my display after church. Okay, young people, come and see me. If there are adults in the way, if I see you there, I'll, I'll, I'll quit talking to adults and talk to you. You come talk to me. Uh, if God's speaking to somebody, I, I need to talk to you today. Okay, <clears throat> excuse me, that was a commercial. Uh, let's, let's get into what we're going to do today. Uh, I have no idea what page number we're on. Somebody tell me what page number we're on. How to start. It's which? 11? Okay, I think I heard 11. Okay. I should get, you know, I should, I should actually keep that in my notes of what page. See, I just have like 
this page, but I don't have the whole book up here. Um, so this morning we're going to do something that's kind of fun. Uh, I hope it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for me. I don't know if it's going to be fun for you. Uh, but we're, we're going to do something, we're going to, I, and I call it How to Start. And it's really, the whole, conver- the, whole, the whole title is How to Start a Conversation with a Jewish Person About God. Okay, because before I can give him the whole gospel, I have to find a way to get a conversation started. And, and so I'm going to give you several ways today of just how to start a conversation about spiritual things with a Jewish person. Okay, now... We've talked already about witnessing, and we've said sometimes when we witness, it's like a, a short encounter. It's, a, it's a, a three-minute encounter with somebody we have one shot at, and we're just going to give them as much gospel as we can and go on, and that'll be it, okay? And we'll leave that in God's hands. But that really what we want to think about doing is think about soul winning not as an individual encounter that lasts for three minutes, but we want to think about it as a long-term relationship. This is a timeline I'm drawing with my finger across the stage, and and, and on that timeline, I'm going to share Christ with this person because there's somebody I know, okay? Somebody I see regularly at the store, some, some neighbor, co-worker, friend, relative, whatever. And I'm going to witness to him now, and I'm going to witness to him again next week, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. And so I need many ways to initiate conversation with them about spiritual things. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of tools this morning about how to do that. Now, the most fruitful kind of witness is to witness in the context of a personal relationship. That's what we're talking about. Now, any kind of witness is a, well, pretty much, any normal kind of witness is a good witness. So witness any way you can, every time you can. But when we get a chance to witness in the context of a, of a personal relationship, that's the, the best way, and that's where we're seeing most of the Jewish people get saved. And the keys to that the keys to that personal relation, that witness in the context of a personal relationship, there are four keys, and you may have heard them somewhere before. The first one is that you have to love the people, okay? It has to be a genuine and sincere love. It should be a love that's more than a feeling and more than words. It should be a love that has feet, that's actually doing something and involving themselves in a profitable way in that person's life. You need to pray. Not, not once, dear Lord, bless all the lost people and help them to get saved, but you need to pray for that person because you really love him and you need to pray like you love him and you need to pray in faith, trusting God. You need to sow the word of God in his life in many occasions along that timeline. You need to, you need to just regularly be sowing the word of God there. And then fourthly, there needs to be patience or perseverance or some other word that starts with P. Um, there needs to be a, I'm going to stay at it for as long as it takes. I am not going to quit. I'm, I'm going to be on it. Okay. And so these, these are the keys to Jewish evangelism. And you're going to need to use these. Now, as you go to start a conversation with Jewish people, we have to ask ourselves, most, peop- most Christians are not witnessing to Jewish people. And you say, well, why don't Christians witness to Jewish people? And the answer mostly is because we're afraid. Okay. We don't know what to say. We're afraid of saying something wrong. We're afraid of offending. We think it's really hard to do it. And so we are, we're too afraid to witness. Um, if you ask people in, in the average Baptist church, you say, how many of you believe that we should all be witnessing to, 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 to our neighbors? Everybody raises their hand. You say, how many of you witnessed somebody in the last month? Nobody raises their hand. Okay, we believe that we should, but we mostly don't. Why do it? Because we've got it in our head that this is something that's very, very hard. I'm going to show you this morning that it's not super hard, that it's something that you absolutely can do 
and you need to do. Actually, I would, I would say that it's easy to talk to a Jewish person about spiritual things. Uh, now, I didn't say it was easy to win them to the Lord. It's not. Uh, but really, that's God's job anyway. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, but it's easy to start that conversation because we can start conversations about things that we have in common. If I meet somebody that I have nothing in common with, it's hard to find a way to have a conversation with him. Okay? But there's all kinds of ways if I have stuff in common with people. Now, I don't, I never have been to this, this church, and I didn't meet anybody here until yesterday, okay? But there's all kinds of things I have in common with you. We can find all, like, so for instance, I live in Georgia, but I'm, I'm, I'm from Ohio, and so I, I saw, I saw people walking around the other day wearing, wearing Buckeye gear, and I, it just warms my heart and makes me feel at home to be around people wearing Buckeye gear, okay? So we've got Buckeyes in common. We've got Ohio in common. Uh, there's all kinds of things. When I have something in common with somebody, it's not hard to talk with them. And you have all kinds of things in common with Jewish people. You're like, really? Yeah, okay? They have respect for the Bible, and we love the Word of God. There's something that we have in common. Uh, they love Abraham and Moses and David. And we love Abraham and Moses and David. Okay? We have all the same heroes. Uh, they, they love the nation of Israel. We love the nation of Israel. Okay? Um, our Savior and all the apostles were Jewish. There's all kinds of points of contact that we have. Uh, even things that they think are just Jewish things, like, you know, they're Jewish, like Passover. They think, oh, that's a Jewish thing. Uh, excuse me, that's in my Bible. Uh, I read about that all the time. Uh, I'm interested in Passover. And so we've, we've got all kinds of Jewish cultural things that they love that either we know because of the scriptures or that we're interested in because we love the Jewish people. And so there's all kinds of common ground where we can meet with our Jewish neighbors. Um, and, and so I, I think a lot of times Christians start at a place of saying, oh, well, I have no idea how to talk to them. The truth of the matter is we have all this stuff in common with them. So what we're going to do uh, is, is I'm going to give you several ways of, of starting a conversation with them. And um, hit the next slide, please. The first one I'm going to call it is we love Jewish people. Now, I actually need some help here. And... Um, I'm going to pick a, a volunteer from the audience. Brother, will you come and help me? Thank you. I keep picking on him. I don't know why. What's your name? Who? Truman. Truman, come on up here. I need you to stand over here. Okay. So, so Truman, uh, Truman, um, what, what do people do for work and eat? What kind of jobs do people do? Is there like a factory or a... Yeah? Okay, what's a factory here in town? Selfex. What do we make there? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, me, me there. So let's say you and I work there. Okay, so I've been working there at the factory for some time, and Truman's the new guy at the factory. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. And, 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 so, and I have a problem, because I go over to First Baptist Church, and Pastor has been telling us, look, friend day is coming, and you have to invite somebody to church. And I've been like, I don't even know who to invite. I've, I've already invited everybody I know. I don't, I don't know what to do. And I'm kind of feeling bad about that, but Preacher, man, he's been honest a lot. You know, invite somebody, invite somebody. I'm like, I don't know who to invite. And so I'm racking my brain about who to invite, and I think, you know what, there's this new guy at work, Truman. Seems like a decent sort of guy. And, and I think I'm going to invite him to come to Friend Day at, at First Baptist Church. 
Does that sound like a plan? And so that's what I'm going to do. So we're going to have a conversation. But what I don't know is that Truman is Jewish. Are you Jewish? No, you are now. Okay. So, so for the next few minutes, Truman is Jewish. Okay. But I don't know he's Jewish. You guys all know. I don't know. And so I'm going to try to invite Truman to church. Now, I need to, we're, we're going to do a drama here. Okay. Are you, are you good at acting? No. Okay, great. You'll do great. So here's what I want you to do. Take your hand out of your pocket because I need your hand there. I need you to pretend you're a traffic cop. Put your hand out and say, stop, I'm Jewish. Stop, I'm Jewish. Okay, you did that really well. You say you're not good at acting. And I want you to sell it, okay? I want you to mean it. Just say it like you mean it, okay? Okay, now, don't do it when I first start talking. Do it when it's the appropriate time, okay? Uh, all right, so you get this. All right, and so... So, so I'm going to come to Truman and say, hey, Truman, how you doing today? Good. You doing all right? How, how are we doing in making, making and shipping out widgets? Are we, are we sending out lots of widgets? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. good. That's good because, man, the bosses are going to kill us if we don't get enough stuff going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, I've been wanting to talk to you about something. I, I, I go over to First Baptist Church, and we have this special day coming up. It's called Friend Day. Man, we're going to have great preaching. Our pastor's going to preach. And then, man, our ladies have this great meal afterwards. It's going to be beautiful music. I'd like to invite you to come as my friend. Stop. I'm Jewish. <laughs> you did that great. Uh-oh. Now, I want to ask you a question. What do you do at that moment? Okay? You're talking to this guy. You want to invite him to church. You want to share a track. You want to tell him about Jesus. And you get in there and you get to the moment and you say, I want to tell you about And he... And you're like, ah, what do I do now? I don't know what to say. Now, let's think about what's going on in Truman's head, okay? Truman is thinking this. Look, Christianity is a religion for Gentiles. Jesus is the God for the Gentiles. New Testament's the Bible for the Gentiles. So why don't you take your cute little Gentile religion and go peddle it among your cute little Gentile friends? Has nothing to do with me as a Jew. Leave me out of this. That's what he's thinking. Now, sometimes people ask me, do Jewish people hate Christians? No. But they have reason to believe that we hate them because they've been persecuted by Christians. And so he doesn't probably, see, he doesn't go around acting Jewish, whatever that means, because Jewish people would rather probably not be identified as being Jewish. Because as soon as they identify as being Jewish, they're probably going to be persecuted. And they're used to that happening, okay? And so they, they tend to not want to identify, but when it comes to religion, they just, it's like, look, go do your little Christian thing with the Christians. That has nothing to do with us. Now, everything he's thinking is wrong. Everything. Everything. The New Testament is not a, 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 the Christian Bible. It's a book that was written by Jewish people about a Jewish person to a mostly Jewish audience, okay? It was specifically written to him, okay? Jesus isn't the God for the Gentiles the way Jewish people think. Jesus was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, promised a, a Jewish Messiah. He was prophesied by the Hebrew prophets. He came and fulfilled those prophecies. He was Jewish himself, and he came, I came, and he said, I came to save my people from their sins. He specifically came to save Truman, but Truman doesn't know any of that. And so he thinks, Jesus is for the Gentiles, has nothing to do with me, so take this. It's not like, it's not like I'm mad, it's just like, go do your thing elsewhere. That's what he's thinking, okay? 
which, by the way, is kind of a tragedy. Now, what am I thinking when he does his, Stop, I'm Jewish. What do you think at that moment? The Christian goes, What? I didn't know he's Jewish. He's not wearing one of those little beanies on his head. Does he look Jewish? I can't tell if he's Jewish or not. I wonder if I offended him. I don't know what to say. Uh, uh, yeah, um, see you, bye. And that's how we witness to Jewish people. Wasn't that wonderful? Didn't I just do a great job of witnessing to Truman? Yeah. By the way, what's Truman thinking? The moment, he to- the moment I told him I was Jewish, he turned his back and walked away. He didn't want to talk to me anymore. He's another anti-Semite who hates Jewish people. That's what he thinks. Ugh. I made a mess of that. Amazing, huh? So let's try to do this whole thing again. Okay? Let's, let's like cut, take two, take it from the top. Let's try to run this whole story again, okay? See if I can do any better the second time. Okay? Hey, Truman, how you doing today? Good. Good. How, how's, how's work? We doing okay? It's doing pretty good. The boss not on your back too much? Oh, good. good. I'm, glad, I'm glad to hear that. Listen, I, I, I was wanting to talk to you. I, I go over to First Baptist Church, and we're going to have Friend Day. It's going to be great preaching, beautiful music, and best of all, the food is just out of this world. You're going to love the food. Anyway, I wanted to invite you to come with me to Friend Day. Stop. I'm Jewish. Really? I had no idea you were Jewish. That is wonderful. I'm a Baptist, and we love Jewish people. Exactly. You see, I don't have to get intimidated and run away. What did I do? I, I stopped because I was startled. I said, really? I didn't know? That's fantastic. Instead of, oh, that's end of conversation. It's fantastic. And then I said, I'm Baptist. And Baptists love Jewish people. Boy, that confused him. He said, what? Okay. I actually have had Jewish people say, why would you love us? They're not expecting it. They're expecting hostility. Okay? Even if they don't say, why do you love us? I assume they're thinking it. So I answer the question whether they ask it or not. Okay? And so I say, look. It was through your people that God gave us the Bible. What a wonderful gift. We are so, we love the Bible. We're so grateful to the Jewish people that God used you, your people to give us. And you know what? Even better than that, it was through your people that Messiah came, my Savior. We are so that how could we not love you? I should give credit. The next part, this is my wife did this, and it's it's beautiful. You know, you, you know what, Truman? I'll tell you what. In, in the day that we're living in right now, there's so much hatred and violence in the world. There's so much anti-Semitism. There's so much terrorism in the world. We think that it's high time that, that Bible-believing Christians like us stood up and told the world, we stand with Israel, we stand with our Jewish neighbors, we're on your side. Folks, if you're Jewish and you feel isolated and you feel like the whole world's around you, when somebody says, we stand with you, it's like throwing a lifeline to a drowning man. Okay? Now, does that mean he's going to fall to his knees and get saved right away? No. Does it mean that his heart's going to be more open to have further conversation? Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay. Thank you. Good job. See there, he said he wasn't an actor. 
Okay, so the, the first thing, uh, that the first way that you, you, we can start a conversation with a Jewish person is you meet the Jewish person and you just simply say, we love the Jewish people, okay? Um, and I think the, the, my next slide is the, um, yeah, hatred stirs up, thank you, hit it again. Uh, so we say, you're Jewish, that's wonderful. I'm Baptist and we love the Jewish people. Why do we love? Because it was through you that we got great gifts, the, 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 the word of God and the Messiah. And then we can add Rhonda's, Rhonda's uh, innovation to that. We think it's high time for us Baptists to stand up and say that we stand with the Jewish people. This is a really great way to start a conversation and to start a relationship, okay? Now, did I lead him to the Lord? No. But now he and I are having conversations about, about Jewish and Christian, about Jesus, about the word of God. We've started a conversation and, and it's going to be exciting to see where that conversation is going to go. So I'm going to wait a few days, maybe next day, maybe next week, and I'm going to come back and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to Truman again. Now here's what we're going to do with each one of these. I'm going to give you a little briefing and then I'm going to show you how it works, okay? And so the next one is called, Have You Seen the News? Except for to do it right, you have to do, Have You Seen the News? Okay. Now, how many of you are news hounds? You love to watch the news and you're paying attention to the news all the time. Yeah, a bunch of us are. Okay, probably more than is good for us. Anyway, so we all do the news. Now, everybody does their news differently. Okay, uh, a lot of people watch the news in the evening. I don't watch the news in the evening. I can't sit still that long. Uh, I do my news on my phone. Um, you have a news app and you can... You can actually put in keywords on your news app to get the news that you want. So I'm gonna encourage you on your news app to type in Israel and type in Jewish. So anytime there's news about Israel or Jewish stuff, it pops onto your feed, okay? Um, now, if you don't have news apps, I'm probably speaking another language, but, but uh, I, 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 on my news app, I, for instance, I always have Israel and Jewish and Russia and Ukraine and other things of critically important importance like Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, <laughs> So those are on my news app. Those are my keywords that are always going to top, come up at the top of my, my news feed because there's always something about Israel going on. And usually it's catastrophic. Uh, usually there's some disaster going on over there. And if, if you have it on there, you're going to see it on the news. And so I'm going to use the news. Now, do you notice that up in the, there in your notes it says prophecy? Because I'm going to start with the news and then I'm going to, I'm going to transition to talking about Bible prophecy which sounds complicated and it's really not. And I'm gonna show you how. So most people, most Jewish people are interested in Israel. Now, there are some kind of fringy groups that are Jewish, that are like super hyper-Orthodox who actually don't like Israel. Uh, the group up in Richmond, I think, is that way. But, uh, but most of the Jewish people in the world love Israel. Okay, that doesn't mean they're always in, that doesn't mean they always approve of what Israel's doing, but they have a, a great affection for the nation of Israel as well. They should, and so I'm going to pay special news, special attention to any news about Israel, so I can talk to them about it. So, so what I'll do is I'll walk into the office and I'll ask Truman. I'll say, uh, I'll say, hey, what do you think about the latest news from Israel? And you know, I will know what I'm. You know, I won't just say latest news. I'll say, oh, did you see yesterday what happened and talk about whatever political or military development or whatever thing happened over there. And then, because usually it's about conflict, I, I can transition by saying, so what do you think it'll take to bring peace in the Middle East? 
Okay, now I ask questions. This is a theme you're going to see from me, is I love to ask people questions. And then, I, I, here's a piece of advice for you. Listen carefully to their answers. Sometimes we ask questions, we don't listen to the answers. I ask questions, and then, see, God gave me two ears, and I'm using both of them. So when I ask Truman a question, I'm going to ask him a question, and with one ear, I am going to intently listen to his answer. And with the other ear, I'm intently listening to the Holy Spirit because God is going to show me through Truman's words the key to his heart. God is going to show me an opening through which I can preach the gospel to him through his words. And, and so a lot of times people say, well, what plan or program do you use to talk to that person about Jesus? A lot of times I don't know what I'm going to say. I go, I ask questions. Now I have a variety of different ways of sharing the gospel that I know that I, you know, I can use, but I'm going to ask him questions. I'm going to listen to it, and I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit, and very frequently, through his words, the Lord will say, grab that and go, go that direction, and then, I'll, and then I'll go whichever way the Lord will lead me at that time, and so I would encourage you to do that. So, so I'll ask him a question. What's it going to take for there to be peace in the Middle East? And, and he will, you know, he, I don't know what he'll say. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Uh, and then I'm going to say, do you know what the Hebrew prophets said about what's going to happen next? Now, this thing that I'm teaching you right now, I learned one day in the city of Ashkelon, Israel, just north of the Gaza Strip. We were there with Project Nehemiah, that's IBGM's humanitarian aid organization in Israel. And we were there handing out humanitarian aid to a bunch of new immigrants, uh, Russian immigrants who had moved to Israel, and which works for me since I do Russian. And so there was this Russian guy, you, you Americans would call him Boris, but it's Boris is the right way to say it. Anyway, there was this Russian, an older Russian gentleman named Boris, and he was there, and I was talking to him, and I was giving him some humanitarian aid supplies, and we were talking, I said, how long have you been here? And he said, I've already lived here in Israel for several years. And I said, do you like it? He said, oh, I love it here, it's wonderful. Um, he said, except one thing. I said, what's that? And he said, I'm scared to death of war. I hope there won't be a war, man. I don't need there to, I pray every day there won't be a war. And I said, well, yeah, that makes sense. I said, so are you a man of faith? Do you believe in God? And he was, he's a Russian Jew. And mo, me, the vast majority of the Russian Jewish people are atheists. Um, and, and I said, do you believe in God? He said, no. He said, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And I said, you just a minute ago, you said that you're praying for peace. He said, yeah. And I said, but you're an atheist. He said, yeah. I said, so when you're praying, who are you talking to? He said, I have no idea. Uh, honest, I'm not making this up. The man said that. It was hysterical. And I said, I said, so what do you think? Is there going to be peace in the Middle East? And he's like, I don't know. I'm scared. And I said, have you ever read what the Hebrew prophets have said about what's going to happen? And he's like, no, never read that at all, which didn't surprise me. You can look a long time before you find any Jewish people that have ever read the prophets. Um, they, don't, they don't pay attention to the prophets. And I, I should probably be nicer, but sometimes I just can't resist being honorary. I was like, hold on, what do you mean? You're Jewish and you've never read the Jewish prophets? What's wrong with you? Why don't you even read your own prophets? He's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. And um, so I gave him a hard time because he needed it. And, uh, and, and then I said, well, let me tell you what the prophets say. And Baris said, okay, what did they say? And I said, they say that we are right now on the precipice of the deepest, darkest, most awful time in human history. I was referring to the tribulation. And he was like, oh, well, thank you so much for brightening my day. 
And I said, but the Bible also says, the prophets also said that right on the other side of that is going to be the most glorious time in human history because Messiah is coming. He's like, it really says that? I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, that's really interesting. I said, hey, why don't we get together for, again, in America we'd say coffee, over there it's tea. Why don't we get together and have a cup of tea and I'll show it to you. He's like, I would like that. And so I got three opportunities to sit down with him with an open Bible and witness to him from the prophets. Okay? So this is really an outstanding way to use. So how does it work? Uh, let's go to the next slide. Okay, so I come back to Truman. Um, oh, nope. Back up, I'm sorry. My bad. Um, yeah, anyway. So I, so I walk up to Truman and I say, Truman, have you seen the news? Did you see what's going on? And he's like, I know. The battle over there is just raging. It's going crazy. And I said, it's terrible what they're doing. It is. They're shooting missiles out of Gaza at Israel again. I don't know. Truman, what do you think? Is there going to be peace in the Middle East? What do you think, Truman? You don't think? Not much hope? I'm like, have you ever studied what the, the Hebrew prophets say about it? No. Man, I'll tell you what. Let me, let me tell you. And then I can launch right in to telling him about Bible prophecy. About what's going to happen in Israel, which is going to lead us right to Jesus and the Messiah and his need to be saved. And so that's one of the ways that we, can, that we can do it. So number one, we love the Jewish people. Number two, have you read the news? Number three, okay, another few days pass. I come into work. There's Truman, and I walk into Truman's office. I go, Truman, I just read the coolest thing in the Tanakh. Okay, now everybody's sitting there and saying, what's a Tanakh? Okay, Tanakh is the word that they use for the Jewish Bible. So we say Old Testament. When you're talking to Jewish people, don't use the words Old Testament. That comes off as, oh, so you're saying our Bible is like old and like defunct and obsolete or something. And so they, they take it as though we are showing disrespect for the Jewish Bible when we say it's the Old Testament, okay? Um, and so we don't use the word Old Testament. When, when I refer to the Jewish Bible, I will call it the Jewish Bible or I'll call it the Tanakh. Tanakh is their word that they use for it. Uh, and so, so I ask him, by the way, how many of you read the, the Jewish Bible, the Tanakh? Anybody here read the Tanakh? People, it's your Old Testament. You better be reading the Tanakh. Okay, every hand needs to be up here, okay? Yeah, right. We all read the Tanakh. I mean, if you're not, you need to talk to the preacher. Anyway, so, so yeah, we read the Tanakh all the time. You know, that's, that's the Old Testament. You know, anytime I'm reading about David or Abraham or Moses or, or the Psalms or the Proverbs, it's when I'm reading the Tanakh. And so, by the way, you've heard the word Torah. They read the Torah. The Torah is the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. And so that just refers to the first five books of the, of the Tanakh, of the Old Testament. And then there's the whole Tanakh. And the whole thing is the Jewish Bible. But they usually focus just on the, the Torah. But the whole, the whole Tanakh is their Bible. Anyway, so I'll come into work. Um, Jewish people have a wide variety of opinions about the Bible. I will tell you, it's a very rare that a Jewish person believes that the Bible is inspired in the way that we believe it. Uh, the vast majority of them don't believe that the Bible is God's word, okay, which is a big problem. Uh, many of them would say, well, it's the history of our people. Some of them would say, it's the mythology of our people. Some of them would be like, well, I think the Torah is probably from God. But the whole Tanakh, I doubt it. I've met one Jewish rabbi that said, I believe every word is inspired from, by God from cover to cover. I, I, I met one rabbi that says that, but he's, he's unusual. 
Normally, they don't believe that. But nonetheless, they have respect for the word of God. And many of them love it, okay? So their opinion is that the Old Testament is the Jewish Bible. The New Testament is the Christian Bible. They expect that Jews are supposed to read the Tanakh and Christians are supposed to read the Brit Chadashah, the New Testament. And so that's, that's what they're thinking. And they're going to be surprised that you're reading their Bible, okay? And so my advice is to go into your Jewish neighbor, again, we love the Jewish people, and then what's going on in the news, and now it's, let me tell you what I read in the Bible. So on some day when you're reading is in, in the Old Testament, just go to a, your, your Jewish neighbor and say, Truman, I gotta tell you, I just read the coolest thing in the Tanakh. And he's like, really? Now, I'm not offending him. I'm not trying to make him do so. I'm reading his Bible, okay? And he starts out by going, what are you doing reading my Bible? That's, that's kind of weird, okay? Uh, and, and then tell him what you read. Now, look, maybe it's serendipity and you just read Isaiah 53 about the sufferings of Messiah. Oh, that would be great. Tell him about that. But probably it's not. Probably you read a psalm and it was a blessing to your heart. Or maybe you read a story about King David and you were really encouraged by it. Or some proverb. I mean, it doesn't matter. Tell him what you read. Tell him how it was a blessing to your heart. You say, well, how is that sharing the gospel? Okay, you're initiating a spiritual conversation. You're now discussing the word of God together. That's good. No telling where that might lead. It could lead to Jesus, okay? But at the very least, do you know what Truman is thinking? He's thinking, hold it. This Gentile is reading the Jewish Bible. I don't read the Jewish Bible, but this Gentile is reading our Bible. And I... I don't even know what's in our Bible. I'm clueless, and I've never gotten a blessing out of it in my life. And he's over, he, he's going on and on. He's all excited. He got this great big blessing out of, and I don't even know what he's talking about. How is that even right? That this Gentile is reading my Bible and getting a blessing, and I don't even know what, I have no idea what he's talking about. Okay? Romans 11, 11 says, salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And he's looking at me and saying, he's so excited about God. He's so excited about the Bible. And I don't even have a clue. It's our Bible, and I don't even know what's in it. Okay? And so I'm provoking him to jealousy. Uh, and that's a good thing. Okay? The next thing. Can I pray for you? Okay. So this is super simple stuff. This is really easy. I'm not giving you anything hard here. Okay? Can I pray for you? So I come into work one day, and Truman, oh, man, he looks rough today. I mean, his hair's messed up, and his eyes are red, and it's just... It's a mess. And, and I say, man, what's wrong? Now, have you ever noticed in the scriptures that Jewish people, it often talks about them murmuring and grumbling and complaining. Anybody ever noticed that? Has anybody ever noticed that we do the same thing all the time? We love to complain. Folks, there are a few things as sweet as self-pity. We love to feel sorry for ourselves, don't we? Oh, we don't say that. But, I mean, we really enjoy feeling sorry. We love to complain. It's just human. We love to do it. And, and I see Truman, and, and he's suffering, man. He's having a bad... I'm like, Truman, what's wrong? And he's like, oh, man. And he starts telling me, you know. Uh, so, so, Truman, are you married? No. Okay. So, let's pretend you're married for a minute, okay? Uh, you're 35 years old, and you're married now. Um, okay. So, he's like, my wife's mad at me, and she yelled at me this morning, and then I was leaving the house, and the dog bit me, and I got in the car, and the car wouldn't start, and, and uh, then I got to work late, and the boss is mad at me, and, <coughs> and I've got a cold, and I don't know, and, and he's just like full of problems. Okay. Now, what does Truman expect me to do? He probably expects me to go, oh, dude, stinks to be you. 
see you. Okay, that's probably what he expects. Okay, what's he hoping I'll do? He's probably hoping that I'll say, oh man, I'm really sorry because we like it when people do that. I'm so sorry, man, that's terrible. I, I feel so sorry for, that's what he's hoping for. I'm not gonna do either one of those. I'm gonna surprise Truman. I'm gonna say, can I pray for you about that? And he's gonna be like, what? I said, can I pray for you about that? So he doesn't know what Christian prayer looks like. Jewish prayer, okay, they have a book called the Siddur. It's a book of prayers. Okay, these prayers are in Hebrew. Now, some of the Jewish people know Hebrew, and they can read it and understand it, and others have been taught how to pronounce it, even though they have no idea what the words mean. Okay, so they're just like reading and pronouncing words that they don't even have a clue what it means. Okay, and so these prayers were written by rabbis hundreds of, or sometimes thousands of years ago, and they have all these prayers. So they have a prayer for this and for that and for the third and the fourth day of every event. They have a certain prayer and they go in their siddur or, or if they're really religious, they have it memorized. And, and, and they repeat these prayers that the rabbis wrote centuries ago. Okay. And so their prayer is, okay, yeah, uh, find this words in Hebrew. Um, and, <laughs> excuse me. I fell up on the time. I fell up on the time. Thank you, brother. I got a note from, from the above. I fell up on the time. My, my, my apologies. And so pray for him, and that'll be good. Let's close. Uh, Pastor, thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back over to Pastor. Pardon me. I get excited and get carried away.